1: Happy New Year everybody, I'm I'm Dr Rob Zang, and welcome back 2022 and as you can hear we're pretty excited about the new series of The Doggy Pod and hope you enjoyed listening over the break to the Best Of series, I know many of you contacted me and said yes it was great, they enjoyed it, well here we go.
2: We're back off and running again with new episodes, thanks again for joining us, I'm his producer. Stephen Peters. And yes, we are back again and uh, hopefully a a, a much more interesting 2022 than 2021. Uh, You're always
1: going to have the doggy pod to listen to every Friday, Stephen. That's true. That's true.
2: So uh, anyway, enough mucking around. What are are we talking about this week?
1: Oh man, I have had one of the most extraordinary shifts I've ever had in my life. I've been working in veterinary practices for over 50 years and 44-odd years of those now as a veterinarian, Uh, and still things surprise me. The first call started at uh, 12.30 at night, and it kept on... Were you on call, were you? I was on call because we provide, you know, dogs don't pick and cats don't pick when they're going to be sick, so you've got to provide a service for them. The first call came through and uh, it was a caesarean and the big hits kept on coming. It finished at 6 o'clock that night and I did no less than eight caesarean sections in that period. Plus, yeah, normal consultations. So you
2: worked through the night starting at 12? Yep, right through.
1: and uh, Yeah, right through. It was was pretty busy. Plus, like I said, we had snake bites come in during the day as well. We had normal consultations that we had between 9 and 12. I had to do those. It was a busy... Just one time, I was coming through the door and I saw myself going the other way. That's how busy it was. Yes, <laughs> I'm telling you, it was it was cracking up. But I loved it, loved every minute of it.
2: Can I just say I would be a little bit a little bit worried if I was the last cesarean at the end of that. Uh, was that? No, no,
1: one? I was practicing all those other seven. Oh, okay, so, so you finally, only, got right well, yeah, finally got it right on the yeah, finally got it right. And no, all went well. Uh, uh, only one cesarean, and it was cesarean number four, where there were no. Life puppies because they were dead before they arrived. Oh, uh, did you know that before? Uh, I had a big hint. Uh, the gentleman came in with his dog, and I'm just going to talk about it. Uh, mm. yeah, it was pretty awful. There was a puppy half hanging out and dead with a dislocated oh. neck. So he'd been trying to pull out of it obviously, and uh, apparently I said, "When did this happen?" He said, "Oh, I woke up this morning, and that's how she was like. Found her like this. So she'd been going all night, straining this poor dear. When we opened her up." Her uterus, Stephen, was black. It was grey-black, dying uterus because she'd been straining so much. she ruptured vessels and infection, everything else that got in. Luckily, while she was on a drip, we started some intravenous antibiotics straight away. We de her, took everything out, and uh, she went home the next day. Very, very happy and a lot more relieved. She came in quite... She was the worst of all of them that came in. All the mm. others were healthy dogs that were just in trouble for one reason or another. I mean, why? what uh, you should do, if you're going to have a litter of puppies, you've got to observe the the female all the time when you know, when she's due. Make sure that you know that uh, she's straining and having puppies. Once the water breaks, I tell people they should have a pup within two hours. If they don't, seek veterinary advice attention if she's straining a lot for you know three quarters an hour and not getting a puppy out then get veterinary attention there are things like this you don't have to interfere but you certainly have to be there watching them all the time to make sure things go smoothly for them
2: what was the breed of dog that the, the oh, that didn't
1: make it uh the the female was fine the mother was fine the puppy certainly did not it was a cavalier king charles spaniel oh. and uh The gentleman was crossing with other breeds to get whatever to sell but not looking after his stock at all. So he's in a little bit of trouble with me. Thank you very much.
2: So the question is, amongst all of that, can you remember all of the breeds of dogs?
1: Yeah, well, what did we start with? We started with a Caesaris. cocker spaniel. Cocker spaniel at yeah. midnight. Yep. Uh, yeah, that was the the mid one. Then we had a um, we had two cocker spaniels. They were the first two. Then we had a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. After that, then the next one was a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. <laughs> then it was a Labrador. Uh, then it was a Staffordshire Bull Terrier. And uh, I think we, how many is that? I've, I've I've now? Ireland, uh, five, uh, five. Maybe? Five, five. Uh, Cavaliers count. were high on the hit list. We had one poodle that was in trouble as well. A standard poodle? Uh, no, it was a miniature poodle that was in trouble, so we were able to help her. Uh, then there was a French bulldog. There were two French bulldogs, so I think that's eight, is it? Because I think that was all the breeds. Wow. It was pretty two foreign. Frenchies, two French bulldogs. Yep. Oh. So, yep. actually,
2: uh, while we're talking about that, I think we recently posted uh, on our Instagram page some video of uh, French bulldog puppies that were the puppies that were supposed to be sired by Kobe, Kobe our mate who <laughs> who burnt out early, if you <laughs> may remember from last year.
1: It went too fast, too Co- soon. Kobe,
2: the overexcited male. French bulldog. So um, so there was still a litter, though.
1: Oh, yeah. Yep. Mm. That, it was uh, – he had a stand-in, <laughs> so, Did he? <laughs> so I think it was his son. So, yeah, they, so there his, still puppies his there. So his yeah. son did the deed. No, they came in. And so Kobe, this year, we will be taking semen from him, freezing it, and then we're going to relieve him of those two problems that are hanging around. Uh, so, yep, testicles are coming off. And, uh, oh. And yeah, is going to be desacred. Uh,
2: also, in this episode, we're going to talk about um, a dog breed known, breed known as Australian Shepherds. Yep. Uh, even though they're not Australian. Um, and I'm just going to quiz Rob about what other potential breeds of dogs, exclusively Australian, are there any? But we'll, we'll get to that in a moment. Yep. Uh, and I think we've got something else. Ah, starting. yeah,
1: it's the like a new, new segment. Fact or fiction. fiction, fiction,
0: fiction. <laughs> yeah,
2: where where we debunk some myths, or maybe they were right all along. Anyway, we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later.
1: I'm looking forward to that segment. That's that's a great little segment. But got we, lots of uh, fact or fi- fictions over the next few weeks to talk about.
2: Well, there's lots that people think is true, but mm. it's not really. Yep. Anyway, um, so beyond uh, delivering babies left, right, and centre, what else has been happening at the clinic this week?
1: Ah, car accidents. We've had a fair few of those. Holiday periods tend to do that when people stay home because children leave gates open. So we've had uh, three dogs with three broken broken bones. Uh, One what hit hit by car? Hit by car. Yeah, Mm -hmm. dogs once they're out, they're going to run around, and yeah, the traffic is back to being uh, what it was pre-COVID. Now, yeah, lots of traffic on the road, and so. Yeah, Please, maybe you need to think about uh, gates that just shut themselves, self-shutting gates with springs on it, especially if you have children, because children run out and uh, run around the front yard for a while, and if the dog's there, they're not watching the dog. They're not watching the dog going out onto the road and getting hit by a car, and it's uh, pretty devastating when that happens, devastating to everybody, the person that... Runs over the dog. Of course, a dreadfully traumatized. Yeah, very sad for the driver. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And then, of course, sad for the owner, and extremely sad for the dog that has to go through all that pain and uh, suffering to get him back to normal. But um, so,
2: when people bring a dog in that's been hit by a car, I'm mm-hmm. guessing the dog's quite shocked,
1: stressed, and absolutely shocked. shocked. So that's you normally. I mean, that's the first thing you assess them for: uh, are they in severe shock? And so you establish a line, an intravenous line, to deliver fluids and other medications for shock. You establish whether there's any hemorrhage going on and um, because that's very important to try and stop it. If it's severe hemorrhage that you've got to operate for straight away, you don't really want to unless you have to, but you've got to establish what uh, their red blood cell level is and then you check it again in a little while to see if it's dropping too fast. That means they're hemorrhaging if the red cells are going down really fast. And then, of course, pain. You've got to manage the pain, and that's the difficulty. When they're in shock, if you think, oh, gosh, they're in a lot of pain, you give them a really big dose of painkiller, you can kill the animal. Just That's whatever you give. Mm. It's a bit like when people get too much morphine, it kills them. So it's the same deal with animals. You don't want to give too much pain relief, because you don't want to kill them, but you want to give them enough pain relief that they're not feeling it not suffering. It's a very fine line. They're the first three things. People think, oh, let's x-ray him straight away and see how many broken bones he's got. That's not as important. Fixing broken bones, as any orthopaedic surgeon will tell you, it's just carpentry. That's all. Good carpentry work. Right. <laughs> all okay. the orthopaedic surgeons would admit to that. No, not. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it really is. The important thing is... Establish life first, so make sure that you get them out of shock and out of pain, and stop any hemorrhage. And just the best thing is not to move them around too much as well. So you just do that very gently. We like to give them 24 to 48 hours of just settling down. People often wonder why don't you operate straight away and fix the broken bone, because I don't want them in shock, and also want that where it's fractured to seal off a bit, you know, form some clots and not hemorrhage. When you operate, once it's clotted a bit, it's going to be a lot easier on the animal and lose a much uh, less blood loss if you just wait that twenty-four hours when you do it.
2: So um, I'm guessing any fracture, it has to the dog has to stay overnight. Oh, for how long?
1: And, and then some. And yeah, then some. Look, long? We, we had well, we had young Flo just discharged last week, and she was with us for the entire period. When we took the x-rays, it looked like there were two, maybe three f- pieces of bone, but we took it in different views and we, I just wasn't sure what was what. When we opened her up, there were six pieces of femur there to put together uh, and we did that. Uh, I was happy with the result, but then I didn't want anything to move and the owner just loves Flo. Flo is a, a, a German y haired pointer and, yeah, you know, she just loves this dog, so she was happy mm. to just leave her with, in our care for well over a month. Normally they're home within a few days. Um, I'll send them Over home a month? It. Yeah, she stayed with us and I just kept on uh, checking her and then X-raying her every week to make sure nothing had moved uh, because everything was so delicately ba- balanced. She's got all her pins out now, everything's out, and she's doing really well, building up muscle, running around normal. She's just back to normal. For a dog that had a severe fracture of a femur, which is the biggest bone in your body, She had that smashed. That was Mm. incredible how how badly it was uh, fractured. But normally, most cases, they're with us for somewhere between three to seven days, and then they go home within that period.
2: All right, many of you have probably heard of a dog breed called an Australian Shepherd. Which is not actually Australian, and uh, I've never quite understood why they're <laughs> called Australian Shepherds. Weird, but, isn't it? Yeah, yeah <laughs> the it's
1: Australian Shepherd is not an
2: Australian dog, eh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but beyond, well, I'm sure you'll explain in a minute. But um, beyond dingoes, mm-hmm. are there any other breeds that are basically being invented here in Australia? Oh gosh, yes,
1: yes. I mean, really? Yes. The two standouts, of course, are the what what we've always needed for our rural industry. The Australian Cattle Dog. So that's uniquely Australian. Oh, very much so. We developed that in Australia and it's a great cattle dog. One of the best cattle do- dogs in all of the world. Thank you very much. And our shepherd, the Australian Kelpie. The Australian oh, Kelpie yeah. is very much an Australian dog. And we, and we. But is there a Kelpie in other countries? No, there are, not but really. not, not like the Australian Kelpie. The Australian kelpie is very unique to Australia and a lot of overseas people do know of the Australian kelpie because they've seen them work because they have that magic ability to jump on the back of sheep, run along a whole Mm. mob of sheep and give the guy up the front that's not moving a bit of a pinch at the back of the neck so he takes off and then they come back and how they do it's just amazing. But there's also a couple of terriers, the Silky Terrier, the Sydney Silky Terrier we're sometimes called, and the Australian oh. Terrier. The Australian Terriers are really – they were really popular when I was a kid. Nearly everyone had in my street had an Australian Terrier. Quite jealous was I with all these people with <laughs> these lovely little dogs. And they, they are very, very loyal dogs, the Australian Terrier. There's also a breed – not registered as such, but called the coolie.
2: One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care.
1: It was bred um, by a lot of the German immigrants in the Snowy Mountains and was used for sheep herding and and a few other things like that. Um, The, of course, stumpy-tailed cattle dog. (laughs)
0: Uh,
1: Now, that was nearly extinct, and uh, some years ago I was involved in the program to bring those back, and now there are quite a lot of them. Stumpy-tailed. So they're born with a a short tail, look a bit like a cattle dog. They've got some... Uh, similarities and there certainly are uh, cattle dogs and they are real rough and tough dogs they're great dogs loyal uh, will be in any game that you want them to and will guard you and your property with their life and of course there's some little dogs the Tenterfield terrier ah oh, uh, yes. yeah they're great little, developed from jack russell's and a few other breeds like that but our Tenterfield terrier just magic magic little dogs and there's one breed that's not Australian, if you like, by definition, but um, has found such a home in Australia and we breed the best of them in the world. That's the Border Collie. The Border Collie was mm. developed in the border of Scotland and uh, England and Wales, all those up there. We, you know, did a lot of sheep work there, but uh, it's generally thought of now as almost an, a uniquely, well, not uniquely Australian breed, but certainly no. an Australian breed. And if you want the best Border Collies in the world, wherever you go, Australia.
2: Border Collies actually sell for quite a lot of money, don't
1: they? Well, at the moment, all dogs do. Gosh. COVID, COVID's put the price of dogs up. Supply and demand and the right. demand for dogs during COVID more than tripled. And so the prices, the good thing was all the rescue dogs found homes. And yes. And that... now we pray that that continues post-COVID as people go back to work. Hopefully they will look after and care for those souls that they've taken on during COVID.
2: So with Australia Day coming up, yep, only next week I do Mm. believe, um, we should be celebrating all these wonderful Australian breeds. Breeds, I I, I honestly didn't
1: realise there were that many. Yep, absolutely should be. uh, There is an Australia Day dog show I know. In in most states they have a a dog show in that. So for for those breeds, for all breeds, but hopefully they will. Well, they should just, what the hell, rig the shows and put an Australian breed so Exactly. <laughs> Best in show is the Australian breed.
2: <laughs> but hang on, hang on, Rob. We actually yeah. missed one crucial part of this conversation and that is the Australian Shepherd. Yeah, we got carried away with everything else. Surely it? that's, why would you call it an Australian Shepherd if it's not well, Australian?
1: Uh, it well, the Australian Shepherd is an American breed. How's that? I mean, do we have an alliance with America? If in anything, we certainly do in dogs and in this breed. It was reputedly uh, developed from dogs that were sent with a lot of beautiful merinos. You know, we, we're known around the world for our merino mm. sheep and yeah. our merino wool. And walk. they're
2: good-looking dogs, Australian shepherds.
1: Oh, beautiful, beautiful dogs! Beautiful coats. So we sent a whole uh, lot of sheep over to the states, and of course, sent some dogs over to help manage those sheep uh, on both on the boat and when they got there. And they developed this breed from those dogs called the Australian Shepherd, and they are just a gorgeous dog. We've often posted the Australian Shepherd, especially with my daughter. She has one herself that uh, sleeps on the bed with the other three dogs that she has in, in her room. <laughs> but um, yeah, they're a very, very loyal dog, extremely intelligent, but sometimes they don't switch on till about 18 months of age. Now I thought, what do nah. you mean switch on? Well, you're trying to train them. People say, I can't train it. I go over and over and nothing happens. And you know, the dog's not listening. He's not focused. I don't know what it is, but it's, it's probably a little bit true. I've seen this many times. They hit 18 months and it's like, boom, lights are on and they become the Einstein of dogs, very, very intelligent dogs. But up to then... They can be. I know they are. They just recalcitrant teenagers. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it is. They just now. Oh, I'll do my own thing. Oh, I don't want to heal. I don't want to do this. I don't want to sit now. I might. Yeah. They they will do stuff before twelve months of age for sure. You train them and they will do some stuff. But hit eighteen months, boy, they really want to be there, um, responding to whatever you require of them. Whatever you ask of them, yep, I can do that. It's like they're showing off then. They are just fantastic. Agility dogs, wow, do they make great agility dogs. They fly around agility courses when they're trained to do that. They're a bit like our Border Collie, but... I was going to
2: say they look, if if they had a black and white coat, they would look like a Border Collie.
1: Well, you do get black and white Aussies, but usually they've got um, some differences, of course. They're a little bit bigger than the Border Collie, Uh, and they also have, uh, some of them have a a, a naturally docked tail. The uh, docked gene is in the breed, so some of them are born without a tail. So that's one glowing difference, of course. But, yeah, they're a bit different in head shape. The border collie is a little bit more rounder in head shape compared to an Aussie shepherd and a few other things that um, maybe a layman wouldn't see, wouldn't notice, but, Mm. yeah. They're not dissimilar, and I'm sure if you go back in the days, you would find border collies went over there, our border collies, with those first lot of sheep that were sent and were used to develop this breed. The colours are different, of course. They have a lot of what's called merls. Red red merl is what we often show on our Instagram and Facebook page, and we'll do that this week again. We will put up a red merl. Then you get the tricolours, which are you know, mainly black with a uh, white collar and some tan markings as well. Uh, you get reds and lots of different colours throughout the, the uh, breed. The eye colours too sometimes. You get these dogs with uh, almost like an, a, a real pale, bluey colour eyes and that's because the Merle gene has affected the eye colour. It doesn't hurt them. Nothing bad about that. Also, by the way, um, we should mention
2: that, um, um, as you may remember, last year we we've partnered up with uh, the people at Bondi Vet and Bondi Pet. Um, and if you go there, you can everything you buy, if you type in the code the doggy pod, all in capitals, one word, the doggy pod, you'll get 20% off everything on the site. Which well, is, not which just that, yeah.
1: Cool. We're talking about dog breeds, of yeah, course. Yeah. You can there's a brand of dog food called Raw Cannon that makes specific food for different breeds. And you can get that through Bondi Pet too, and they're currently doing a really good deal on those. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you spend like $75 or more on Royal Canon with them, then you get a free online veterinary consultation uh, with yes. one of their team, yeah, with one of the Bondi Pet, uh, Bondi Vet teams. <laughs> uh, if you go to BondiPet.com and you spend $75 or more That's on Royal Canon, you get that. I mean, and But don't forget you get 20% off using the promo code the doggy pod. So they're giving it away, baby. Giving it away. <laughs> All
2: right, we've got a new segment. That where ah, Fiction. <laughs> ah. We're a little excited about this because um <laughs> anyway, because there's so many myths around <sighs> the canine world. So we're going to either either debunk one or we're going to let you know that it's actually real. So we're going to start off with, now I've always thought this was true, but I don't know, that staring into your dog's eyes releases the love hormone called oxytocin mm. in humans, um, which actually makes you feel good. It yeah, Now, is that fact or
1: fiction? Yeah. Rob? Well, they actually did do a study of this on humans. In well, hang on. Japan. Before, before
2: we go into that, actually, before we go into that, I just realized the second part of this fact or fiction mm-hmm. is is it fact that it actually yeah. does the same thing for your dog? Yeah, well,
1: we'll, we'll get to that point. Yeah, that's okay. a very good point. So, in humans, yes, it releases the love hormone. So, that's a fact? Absolutely. Staring Oxytocin. into your dog's eyes. Yeah. And not just that, it also releases some endorphins into your brain which makes you happy, lighten up your brain and gets you to vasodilate. What's vasodilate? Well, basically it's when your blood vessels relax a lot more and your blood pressure drops. So you have a drop in blood pressure, you have the love hormone. Just from
2: looking in your dog's eyes. Just from
1: looking in your dog's eyes. Because Ah. straight away, assuming that you are a person that does love dogs for a start, and I assume you do. You certainly would be if you're listening to this program. So, you know, you're looking at dogs, he's looking back at you or she's looking back at you, and all of a sudden there's that connection and you do release hormone that makes you feel a lot better, a lot more relaxed as well, and and just gives you a, you feel the bond as well that's occurring between your dog and you, a bond that's occurred Basically in our DNA. It's in our DNA to want to be with dogs. It's in their DNA to want to be with us. We've selected them for domestication and for sitting with us and doing all that. But they too have selected us almost in the same way. They obviously want to go with people that want to be with dogs. And so it's in our DNA as well to love them and to want to be with them. So it relaxes us and it makes us feel a lot better. There's one uh, proviso and all this, please, I do want to say this, it's got to be your own dog. Because if you stare, if you want to do the experiment and stare at a strange dog, you are challenging that dog, you are threatening that dog and you could be scaring that dog. And you could be liable oh. to being part at the bad end of the attack.
2: Right. So okay, don't go thought.
1: staring into strange dogs' eyes. Because yeah, if you think about it, when they're challenging each other, two dogs will come up and stare at each other and do all sorts of, you know, body language like that. So not a strange dog, but your own dog. Make sure it is your own dog. That's really vital to keep things calm. And, yes, the study's been done. The reversal is also true. The dog feels so much happier. Just the fact that you're looking at it, you are... It, it's straight away. it's a body language that dogs understand way better than we do. You know, they... Maybe we should have learned to speak dog, not Greek, many years ago. I don't know. But (laughs) if you can speak dog and you look at these dogs, they would tell you, yes, I love just looking at your eyes. I'm focused because you are everything to me that, that is the world and that's what they want. Not just food and shelter and all those things, but just your love and your caring and to a dog, it releases all those things. And in fact, in some instances, and I have, you know, Opie, he doesn't like storms, my mm, dog. Yeah. If, I just, if a storm's coming and there's a bit of thunder, I just look at him. and He looks at me and, boom, okay, I'm calm. If I'm not there, he starts barking and letting everybody know there's a storm happening. Help, help, help. But as soon as I look at him and just stare at him and he stares at me, I don't mean a threatening stare, just a loving stare. He calms right down. Then he comes and we have hugs during the storm process and it's all over. But that's very, very important to understand your dog loves that too. So before you feed them, just stare a little bit into their eyes Ah. a gentle way and then put their food down. It'll help you and it'll certainly help your dog. So that is a double fact. A double one. Good for you. Good for your dog. Done.
2: Okay, that brings us to the end of this first episode this year. Thank you for joining us and uh, thank you for everybody who's been sending us emails over the summer. That's been wonderful and, uh, and contacting us and telling us how much you love the show. Please, um, if you're not already, don't forget, follow us on Instagram and Facebook and, and subscribe on your, uh, your uh, platform of choice for the podcast. That's always good. And uh, if, you, if you're uh, using iTunes, why don't you leave a review, only, only if it's a good one. <laughs> uh, I like that. Reviews are always good. It tells other people that you like the show, hopefully. Um, anyway, we will see you uh, next Friday. Now we're back into the swing of it. New episodes every Friday, and uh, which means some new words of advice every week. Every week Watt. you've got to
1: put up with these. <laughs> and, uh, sorry about this. And you attempt. know what? We've had a lot of people of course um, listening to us while they're recuperating or actually going through a COVID infection and they're in bed and Elizabeth Barrett Browning wrote this to her dog and about her dog while she was battling a severe illness and got through it. She said, but of thee it shall be said, this dog watched beside a bed day and night unweary. They don't leave your side, do they?